0: Fred Film Radio, from San Sebastian Film Festival, Spain.
1: Craig Gillespie. Welcome, Craig.
0: Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here.
1: We were talking about how this is not your first time at all in Spain, because you have been working in Barcelona for a while. Tell me about that. Um, You know, I do
0: films, as we we see, but I also do a lot of commercials, and I still do. That's where I got started. And uh, so... I think almost yearly at the moment, I come back to Barcelona and work with... It's American productions, but I love the film crew in Barcelona. It's like the attitude and, and uh, it just goes really, really smoothly.
1: We're talking about Dumb Money. I said the title in Spanish before. Uh, this film and this story was, was quite chased in the business because it was like a really interesting headline and everyone was trying to make this movie. You were the (laughs) first (laughs) one.
0: I don't don't get bogged down in that. It's like, for me, I've got to find material that speaks to me, that I I can bring something to it that's unique. And in this particular case, my son was involved in in this whole GameStop phenomenon, trading online, when it was all happening. And it was such an intense experience, and he had a very similar trajectory to some of the characters in the film. And then that outrage that happened with the, when it felt like something was rigged against them. There was a system that, that wasn't playing fair for them. That frustration and anger that happened, that I felt online and felt through my son, that emotion, that's what I wanted in the film.
1: Because you're not a writer. I think you're mostly a, a director. When did this thing happen? Because the story uh, kept running until two years ago. And in a We're, way, it's still, it's still running. It's, no, it still
0: is. It's, it's interesting because... Um, You would think when I I experienced this with my son that maybe I'd be like, oh, there's a movie in here. I actually didn't. (laughs) I was very emotionally connected to it. I was working with the writers, uh, Rebecca Angelo and Lone Shooker Bloom, on a different project. And a couple of months after this had happened, uh, but they were constantly talking about it because they were working on that project. And I was just curious about it, but not interested because I thought we were going to make this film. Suddenly that film imploded financially. We had trouble and the next day, they sent me this script. That's and the, the business. Yes, exactly. it happens all the time. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's endless. But the script, they did such a beautiful job with it, with following a complicated story, but following it through these characters that you were rooting for and emotionally invested with. And having lived the experience with my son, I knew like, emotionally how I wanted to attack it. Mm-hmm. But the story was happening so quickly that the congressional hearing that happens in the film had only just recently taken place, so it wasn't in the script. And I felt like that was pivotal to part of this story. So they very quickly rewrote the whole third act And consequently, a lot of scenes leading up to that because it all ties together with the different characters. So they were constantly rewriting as we were coming in to shoot it.
1: That's interesting. You're a very interesting filmmaker because you have done um, very different stuff. Now we are talking about this based on real life like comedies dramas a little mix but i remember a film that i really really love like lars and the real girl the finest hours uh, and classic adventure drama uh, judith cruella for disney you're uh, uh like another son for hollywood because they are necessary and in, in spain we have also this debate about others authors, uh, authors uh, like uh only directors and i think it's really interesting why do you think you have made three films now based on real life and told from, like, an ironic... It's com- yeah, ironic is, is a word, yeah. Um, I
0: mean, it's, it's a, it's, I've been very lucky to have some opportunities, but Lars in the Royal Girl was early in my career. That was a film very close to my heart and tonally in a, in a space that I like to be in, which is this dance with comedy and drama. Then I I sort of went on this trajectory of trying to make films within the industry, not necessarily close to my heart. Um, I got to a certain point with those films, leading up to actually The Finest Hours, which is a a, a big epic adventure film. Still um, a true story, ironically. So it was Million Dollar Arm. But um, in fact, it was my wife who said to me after that, I'm not sure like, what you're doing because Lars was so much closer to who I am as a filmmaker and she's, she said, I think you should make movies more like that. Right, Tanya came along. <clears throat> What's her love? Thank you so much. And I thought, I'm going to really like, lean into this and, and do what speaks to me like, and be fearless with it and try to... Sorry. <clears throat> try to um, really, really uh, make a movie that, that uh, I would want to see as an audience. And then that very simple premise sort of guided me through these next few pitches, even with Cruella, which is a big studio picture, I still made it with the, with the energy and the tone that I was really interested in exploring. And for me, it makes it hard to put me in a genre, I guess. But the genre that I like is more like real life because when people are conversing with, they're with their family, their friends, there's always humor involved, whether it's like something very heavy or they're just having fun. And humor is used as this device as an armor, as a way to connect with people, as a way to understand people. So I like to see that in the films. I think it helps for the audience to be able to to relate to the characters and connect with them. And it's a tone that I like to, to play with. So there's more of that now.
1: You did that uh, also with physical, which is a like, comedy drama. Yes. Uh, it's it's twisted also in a way. But I wanted to ask you about what was the biggest challenge in, in this movie because I remember watching The Big Shot, which is a good film, but I was uh, missing details. It's like, please stop. Like when, when, when the scene with Mar- um, Margot Robbie, then she explains to you uh, some concept. I said, thank you. Okay, <laughs> I was making... Uh, sure that the film was uh, being followed by the audience.
0: That was it. Was a, that was a real exploration? It's um, first and foremost, I wanted to go on this emotional journey and connect to the characters on a very simple level. There's a life changing moments for these characters. It's like you'll have a nurse, America Ferrera, on a nurse's salary, and she's up five hundred thousand dollars. I mean, that will completely change her life. Whether she get oh, if she loses it all. It, it can ruin her life. So those stakes are very easy to connect with as an audience. The technical side of it was was a work in progress. We actually, early in, in the editorial process, there was too much information, <laughs> and it felt like homework. And it lost the intention for me, which is to be on this intense roller coaster of a ride yeah. and have the audience be, like, thrusted into what they were experiencing. And every time we had to stop and explain things, you you lost that momentum. So... Fortunately, we had this amazing thing, which is that we had the access to all of these memes, all of these news outlets, all the talk show hosts, the actual footage that was happening in real time. We put a team on that, and they just pulled hours and hours of footage. So when we needed to explain something, we had the choices. Do we go to the Internet for the memes and the humor of that and how they would explain it, or do we use
1: you know, newscasters? I, into- I was going to ask you about that. Because how do you compete with internet, Twitter? Because people can be mean, but people can be really uh, f- uh, funny and quick. How uh, can a filmmaker compete with telling a story in real life?
0: It was important for us. It, it was important for us to actually honor that medium, because it was so much of 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 that platform of who the people were that came together. this eight million followers on on Wall Street bets. So. I never, it never occurred to me to not use the actual footage. Like the memes, like you see Planet of the Apes in there with Jack White. That's an actual meme that was online that got a lot, like millions and millions of views. So be able to cap, like to be able to use that energy firsthand and put it into the film was a unique experience. My editor was saying it's kind of like doing two movies at once because we've got the actual film.
1: Yeah.
0: Which is very contained, and the actors have done one thing. But then we have this whole world to pull from for the other information.
1: How was? Uh, why did you think in Paul Dano? Because he's like a quite intense guy. He has directed as well. He made *There Will Be Blood*. Uh, when did you say? I think he can be.
0: I you know Paul he- is an amazingly accomplished actor, very classically trained, and, and and always always so interesting in the in the work that he chooses that it 's a, it's a good question because, as I was trying to figure that out, my son said to me, "Watch Swiss Army Man, which is the daniels film and and he 's just so exuberant in that and has so much joy that immediately I saw that 's what I was looking for in the character with Keith Gill because this this real person with all the posts that he did online there was this, there was this innocence and this joy to him and this real passion for it that was infectious and that's what this character needed, and that's what I saw in Paul's performance in Swiss Army Man.
1: I was surprised when I saw in the credits the name of the Twinklevoss brothers. Uh, Me too. From <laughs> How did that happen? I
0: literally saw it in the end credits. Um, it, turns out, it turns out Ben Mesrick, who wrote the book, The Antisocial Network, that we got the rights to, yep. and he wrote The Social Network. He has a deal with them, so they came with that package.
1: Again, the business. Hollywood has this stuff. Uh, how are you living what's happening right now in Hollywood? It seems that the writer's strike is finally over. Now they have to deal with, them, with the actors. Um, what do you think about the deal, the quick deal that directors signed with the AMTNP, I think?
0: The, the deal, um, I'm, I'm thrilled that the writers have worked it out. I think... Um, it's great that they stood their ground and they've managed to make some real windfall with that. Um, the, the, the directing deal is is a different. There's a different set of circumstances. A lot of with the writers it was the AI and the writers room, which was is obviously different than what directors are negotiating. Where they think the directors did a nice job with what they were working with.
1: Uh, with Itonia, you had 30 years, like to look the story from from the present but with um that money is different how does your uh, work change when you are so close to the story There was
0: something that's so immediate about what just happened with all of us going through covid um that was really exciting to be able to delve into and also what happened in this film which is so specific to covid it was such a life-changing moment for all of us and that um you know, with the loss of life happening with everyone, the the loss of jobs, the loss of businesses, the the real lack of government aid that was happening. And there was this real awareness of the disparity of wealth. COVID kind of highlighted that in a way. There was a real difference between how people could live through this pandemic. All of those elements came together to create this moment with the stock exchange where 8 million people came together that were online and frustrated and angry about what was happening and they had a way to have a voice and they went after Wall Street and that was an amazing moment it's something that is obviously continuing mm-hmm. right now and as you know with the strikes as you just mentioned and there was a lot of strikes in different industries in the last couple of years but it's becoming a real, real strong point of discussion so I felt trying to do this film and have it be a part of that discussion and activate conversation in, in that arena was really, there was an urgency to that
1: money is, is a film different from, for example, Wall Street or The Wolf of Wall Street. But uh, I think films about Wall Street, again, are, are tricky because, uh, for example, you have Jordan Belfort or Gordon Gecko. For some people, uh, watch the film and they say, he's an icon. Some people watch the same film and say, he's a buffoon. A Buffon. How mm, was finding the right tone to, to tell this story to... Like in a way, laugh at capitalism, but it's a story where the um, characters take uh, advantage of it. As at the same time, how was finding the right way of telling this story?
0: Well, it's interesting because you mentioned these these other films: Wolf of Wall Street, Big Shot. Um, they're from the inside looking out. It's like we're we're actually getting to see how the uh, these characters work within that system. This is very much from the outside. Looking in and it 's about the every man, the every person and and wanting to have some accountability for what 's going on on wall street so it 's a very different perspective, um, but interestingly, with the way that the writers wrote this it 's not black and white it 's like the internet tends to distill everything down to very simplistic terms, mm-hmm. and they, it was important that we make this gray with the characters, so it was important to show even though, in theory, Gabe Plotkin is the villain for all of the Reddit users. He's he's an individual. He's a person. He has a family. And we wanted to highlight that. So there is a complexity to it. And part of
1: casting Seth Rogen makes that more accessible. It's the second time in a row you work with Seth. What makes him special? Seth,
0: it's like, I find oftentimes comedians make incredibly dramatic actors. It's like it's such a dance to be able to pull off comedy. But for him to understand that tool and when and not to use it. And for us to be able to cast him against type in was primarily a dramatic role, mm-hmm. there's, there's a complexity in how he can do those performances and be restrained and draw the audience in, even though they have expectations for something else, which was really exciting to me, and I thought he did a beautiful job with it.
1: What do you think about what has happened this summer with Barbie and Alan Oppenheimer? Because it's... A commercial cinema, but it's also like a, an, a, a vision behind the helm. Uh, what do you think this says about the business? And are you hopeful about more adult kind of stories told from Hollywood? Not, uh, also, not only in the indie side? I, it's, it, it certainly makes you
0: hopeful. I think in both cases there's such auteurs, those directors, mm-hmm. and there's such a singular vision of that, and it's amazing to see that Get rewarded by the audience that there is a there is a there is an audience for that to see Oppenheimer approaching a billion dollars is it's incredible. Like to take such a serious subject matter and and be able to find an audience who wants to share that. And Bobby did such an incredible job of something that on the surface is very commercial, but really has a profound message underneath. Uh, and to be able to pull that off, it's a really exciting that. That, that is connecting with people.
1: How was watching Barbie? Because you had there uh, Ryan, Margot, America. It was wild to see all of these people that I've worked with in the past. And
0: it's like, Ryan, to be able to see him doing comedy, which is always fun, it's like he's, he's, he's definitely got that bone. Um, and I was just really excited for them because that Barbie is a hard thing to pull off. You know, I think yeah. it's like people weren't sure what it was going to be. And for them to create something that's so fun, but you know, the, the speech from America is just so beautiful and so profound, and such the heart of the film, and it and it lands in such in such a strong way. And so
1: I was just really excited that they managed to do like all of those things. I have one last question from the friends of filming. What was a movie that changed your life and how?
0: Um, it's probably no surprise, but I, I do I do very much profoundly remember watching Goodfellas in the theater i mean and right out of the gate with that opening scene where they're sitting in the car and they're hearing a thud in the car and they're like what's that noise what do you think that is and it seems like such a normal scene and then they pull over and then there's a guy in the trunk that they then execute and just the switch from from like this very relaxed kind of humorous dialogue to the violence and the music that kicks in and the way that he played with all of those different facets in that, in that film, like the, the breaking of the fourth wall, the voiceover, the, the juxtaposition of, of music against the scene that you're seeing. There were so many things that were impactful on me in that film.
1: Thank you, Greg. Please enjoy San Sebastian and enjoy Barcelona next month when you go back to work there. Just Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Fred, 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 24-7 on Fred FM and smartphone app.